Hey there, folks. Welcome to Rock and Rally Tennis, where it's all tennis, all the time. I'm James Lynn. Follow us on Twitter at Rock and Rally. That's rock underscore and underscore rally. And on Facebook at facebook.com backslash rock and rally tennis. Rock and Rally Tennis podcast episode number 159 is brought to you by careerwonder.com the ultimate career resource site featuring video interviews of professionals from a wide array of industries. Sharing the stories, journeys, and insights about their careers and jobs at careerwonder.com. Well, another French Open is in the books. Congratulations to Rafael Nadal for winning his, wait, wait for it, 12th French Open singles crown and 18th Grand Slam singles title overall. The 2019 French Open final between Nadal and Dominic Thiem was a rematch of last year's final. Nadal defeated a very game-but-weary team in four sets. They split the first couple of sets, and then Nadal simply ran away with it, winning 12 of the last 14 games. Now, to think that someone could win a Grand Slam tournament 12 times is, well, honestly, I don't even have the words to describe it. It's just super impressive. Nadal is still too good at the French Open, plain and simple. Now, one observation worth noting, you know, I don't think I had ever seen Nadal hit his backhand as aggressively and consistently as he did throughout the tournament, particularly against Federer in the semifinals and then versus team in the final. Historically, players have had difficulty finding Nadal's backhand on clay. Nadal would routinely camp out on his backhand side of the court and run around that backhand to crack forehands. I mean, this was an impressive display of backhands by Nadal. There were simply no holes in his game throughout this tournament. Nadal was the favorite to win, but Many, myself included, believed that team had a little bit of a fighting chance to win, at the very least, to show that he had closed the gap. Unfortunately, I didn't see that at all. Now, physically, team can hit and roll with the best of them. But as I've talked about over the past three years, team has got to learn to play closer to the baseline if he's going to make that, that final jump in his game. Now, I thought the biggest difference in the final was not that team had spent six hours on court in the previous four days compared to Nadal's two and a half hours. And I'm sure there will be some folks who believe that was a contributing factor. I don't think it was. The swing factor was in how Nadal took opportunities to step forward closer to the baseline to take control of rallies. Meanwhile, team was content to stay in his comfort zone, playing from several feet behind the baseline. Now, team may be seven years younger than Nadal, but playing from that deep court position and allowing Nadal to dictate the points and run him ragged is not a strategy that's going to work against the King of Clay at the French Open. You know, what we've seen over the past few years from Team is that he has a tendency to run out of gas, physically and mentally. Team does step closer to the baseline occasionally, he just doesn't do it consistently enough. For Team, who has gotten to the French Open Finals two years in a row, it's back to the drawing board. For Nadal, this 18th major overall brings him within two of Federer's all-time leading 20 major singles titles. Now, it's a tall order, but... We'll see if Nadal can hold up physically long enough to catch Federer over the next year or so. Speaking of Federer, what an amazing display of skills by the ageless wonder. Federer had not played a match on clay in three years until Madrid and Rome leading up to the French Open, but he reminded everyone why for many years he was the best clay court player in the world not named Nadal. While the final score in the semifinal against Nadal will look lopsided, make no mistake, Federer played well. Nadal was simply on another level. The quality of play from both players in that semifinal was unbelievably high. The conditions were brutal, winds gusting up to 40 miles an hour at times. 
Many of the rallies look like what you'd see in a video game. For Djokovic, it's wait until next year to again try to complete the double career Grand Slam. He was playing at a high level until the semifinal against Team, where I thought his play at times was a bit spotty and, if I'm being honest, a bit puzzling. You know, for example, there were several key points throughout the match where Djokovic approached and actually tried to win the point at net. Now, let me spend a couple of minutes on this. Now, with all due respect to the 15-time major champion and one of the best to ever play the game, Djokovic's net game is rather pedestrian, and it's not a secret. The biggest weakness in his game is actually his overhead, which, from a chain reaction standpoint, leads him to a volleying position that is a bit defensive. In other words, a bit deep in the box, compounded by a reluctance to aggressively close on volleys because he's concerned about getting lobbed and having to hit the overhead. Now, if you look at Djokovic's volley technique, I believe he overcarves the volleys versus sticking the volleys when he has the opportunities to do so. Now, one reason for this is because of the deep or defensive volleying position, which often forces him to have to volley up because the ball dips below the height of the net. The other reason is because he does not aggressively close on those balls that are closable. As a result, his opponents often get another chance to pass him. You know, in the semifinal versus team, Djokovic won less than 50% of his approaches to net. You know, that's not a good percentage in this day and age when most players approach the net almost exclusively when they've hit an approach that yields a weak return or opportunity for an easy put-away volley. Now, I want to be clear. This is a glass-half-empty, glass-half-full type of scenario. I look at this as the glass-half-full for Djokovic. I mean, we're talking about a player who has won 15 majors with a weakness in his game that his opponents are aware of but have not been able to exploit consistently. I believe if Djokovic improves his overhead, the effectiveness of his volleying and net game automatically increase, buoyed simply by him getting into better volleying position, i.e. slightly closer to the net, because he won't be as concerned about hitting the overheads. But keep that thought. This is a topic I will address again in a future podcast. Now, a couple of uh, notable shout-outs from the French Open. It's been a long road back from injuries for Stan Wawrinka. It was great to see him playing the kind of tennis that enabled him to win three majors. Wawrinka's five-set slugfest win against Sissipas in the fourth round was outright epic, as was his three-and-a-half-hour quarterfinal loss against Federer. So here's to a healthy Wawrinka and more great tennis from him moving forward. Last and certainly not least, there's Stefano Sissipas. As I've said many times, Sissipas is the real deal. He may have lost the epic fourth-round match to Wawrinka, but let's keep in mind, he's already the sixth-ranked player in the world, and he's only 20 years old. Now, he's had some big wins and great match experience against great players over the past 18 months. His game is already fantastic. Now, I'm very excited to see how Sissipas will continue to improve and evolve his game. So another French Open, another Nadal victory. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. Now, I enjoyed the 2019 French Open. I'm looking forward to 2020. Well, that's all for this episode, folks. Thanks for joining us at Rock and Rally Tennis. Please subscribe to our podcast at rockandrallytennis.com. I'm James Lynn. See you next time.